0: but when you really stop, when you really allow the scripture to grab you, things start to change. And when you really allow what's written down in the pages of this book, which is more than a book, but when you really stop and really stop and meditate on what's written, it holds you, it grabs your attention. And that's why, as we know, the Bible says we have to meditate on God's living word because Jesus said, my word's, are spirit and they are life. So everything contained in here, the spirit is behind and the words are life. And so that's our challenge, isn't it? Because as we spoke about this morning, God calls us to be a transformational family and a transformational family is receiving from the father of that family. And they receive from the Father directly as the Father ordains it, which is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we find ourselves with this thing called surrender, which Vera said was hard, because our flesh wants to live, doesn't it? It wants to have its way. It wants to define the truth. And it really wants to create a God in its own image that then justifies itself through the God in its own image because it's like, well, I'm going to paint a God that I want to be my God so my God will tell me exactly what I want it to tell me. And that's a great life, isn't it? That's why non-believers don't believe in God because ultimately an atheist, they don't want at the end of their lives someone holding them account to the life that they lived. So we create gods in our own image and those gods tell us what we want us to be told, so we're not held accountable. That would be beautiful. If that was the truth, wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic. My God would look exactly like Greg Simnel, and Greg Simnel would be in absolute agreement with Greg Simnel. I'd have a great life. I Any mean, wrong problem with that? There is a God, and He tells us to surrender to Him. And so, what I said last week, I said this, or two weeks ago, I said surrender to Christ must define our commitment to Christ. You know, it's so easy to get committed to Christ because you get excited and you know, you've got this thing in you that wants to go save the world. But you're not surrendered to him. So we race off and we run off in our own strength and our own capacity and our own ways. And somewhere along the way you figure out things aren't working quite like you read about. You're not quite in the life that you see Christ in or even some of the other people in the Word. You can't quite figure out why because you're doing all the right things but you're still not in life. And it's because you're committed but you've never been surrendered. You've never actually got to the place where you've been crushed. Where your spirit of pride, which we're all born with, gets snapped. And it's the place your flesh wants to avoid like nothing else. Your flesh wants to avoid that place, so it does. It runs at 100 miles away when death to self comes. When surrender is spoken or surrender comes in front of you, it's like, ah, see ya. You'll even justify your way out of situation and change truth to suit you because your flesh does not want to surrender and come under anyone or anything. That's my experience anyway. And until we get to the place where we are snapped, broken, I don't mean you physically have to be an addict or your life has to be disastrous or you have to have been grown up in a home where you were smashed from pillar to pope. Not that, but your spirit of pride, which we are all born with, has to go snap. And I remember God showing me a picture some years ago of the femur bone, which is the strongest bone in a body. And he just showed me the snapping it. And the spirit of the flesh of pride, which was in Satan, hence that's why we're all of the kingdom of darkness. We are born into the kingdom of darkness, aren't we? None of us start in the kingdom of God. We all are born into the kingdom of darkness with the spirit of darkness in us. Hence, that's what separates us from him. Hence, he had to come into the spirit of darkness to rescue us, to bring us into the kingdom of light. Correct? Colossians 1 verse 3. So we're all tainted with this thing called the flesh with a prideful spirit that wants to be God. The challenge is a lot of people don't even know that. We all think we're good people. Why? Because we haven't done anything that's perceived as bad. I haven't murdered anybody, haven't beaten anybody up lately, haven't stolen from anybody lately. I'm a pretty good guy. No, the Bible says none of you are good. Not one single person cries out for the Lord, not one. You're all evil at heart. And unless I draw you to me, you are eternally damned. Is that good news (laughs) it is to know that is great news to know who you truly are without him is great news because it highlights how magnificent he is and it highlights what he's done and the level he's come to set you free from yourself because there is no self in heaven And there's to be no self operating on the earth if we are following Christ. Why? Because we are all surrendered to our Lord and Saviour. Before you are ever, ever, ever committed, please get surrendered. Otherwise, we will possibly end up like the people in Matthew 7, which we looked at in 21, that hear, Lord, Lord, It says, many will say to me on that day. Okay, How many is many? Lots. So it says, many will say to me on that day. It says, many are called, but how many are chosen? Few. There's only few here tonight. Maybe we're the chosen ones. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe we're not. But it says, many will say to me on that day. Many turn up and sing songs. Many give. Many lay their lives down. But it says, unless you have love, it doesn't matter if you lay your life down for me, it doesn't matter if you move mountains, it doesn't matter if you do all these things, if you're not of love, then it's all a waste of time. But it can look good, can't it? Christianity can look good. Put myself on the back. Man, I've been to Cambodia eleven times. I've preached message after message. I'm in so much like man, it looks great. but is it surrendered to him? We can all operate from the gifts we were given because they're gifts given. You didn't earn them. They were given to you as a gift, like a present. You can open it up, operate from them. You can operate from a gift with no integrity, no character. You see that in the body of Christ. Why? Because we're not surrendered. And God will allow you to use his gift to build your own life to teach you a lesson that's quite scary isn't it that those people raised the sick they raised the dead healed the sick prophesied in his name and God allowed it and then said to them at the end of their lives sorry Jack you missed it why? because they weren't surrendered you did not enter into the will of God it says You do not enter the kingdom of heaven because you did not do the will of God. So much of the will of God is tied up here. Before you ever rush off and want to go save lost people, are you surrendered? Are you surrendered to what it's really about, not what you think it's about? And what you may have even been taught it's about because leaders weren't surrendered, so they keep preaching from their perspective as well. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a massive challenge. I love this. Keith Harrison said this in our life group. Surrender is a characteristic of God's nature, not mine. <laughs> I'm not going to nick that. That's fantastic. Keith, can I have that? Surrender is a characteristic of God's nature, not mine. And I added, but it can become ours. That can become my nature. As I allow God, as I enter through weakness. Whoa, what are you talking about now? Weakness? That's for wusses. You're told to be a strong male. To stand tall, to go after what you want to go after and attain it and grab it and set goals. Yes, but is all that surrendered first? Before it's ever committed to Christ, is it surrendered to Christ? What does Christ say? deny self before you ever pick up your cross before you ever commit to ministry to do the things make sure you're surrendered make sure you are allowing me to define you because your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts and if you don't let me bring you into my ways and my thoughts by my power you will define it all the church has done a great job at defining that through its own lens Defile. I like that. Hence, we don't have the corresponding life. If we're in his way, do we have the corresponding life? Yes, is the simple answer. So if we're truly in his ways, we have the life he promises because God is not a liar, is he? So there's something wrong if we're not in the life he promises. And we have to take account of this. We have to be honest enough, humble enough, and exposed enough to go, you got me. Because the Father wants you and I an abundant life, doesn't he? He doesn't want us limping through life. What sort of a witness is that? Can I be thus honest? What is a witness that limps through life going, I'm a follower of Jesus? If Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, aren't there supposed to be wholehearted followers on the earth? Or do we stay brokenhearted our whole life? See, it doesn't make sense, does it? I've come to heal the brokenhearted, set the captive free, to raise the church up beyond the world, so the world, sh- so the church shines for me. So to continue to have brokenhearted people in the church year after year after year, there's something wrong with that if it's the same people. I'm not saying brokenhearted people don't come, but when you come into the process of God and you start allowing the truth because you're surrendered to Christ to heal you of your brokenhearted, to create a whole heart. You now are a wholehearted person who loves the law with all their heart. There's a process from being broken to wholeness. It's real. It's true. It's authentic. It's the actualization of what this says, not some abstract concept that we keep singing about but we never enter into. What would be the point in that? It's a waste of time. God is in the business of healing lives and healing broken hearts to make them wholehearted so they could live for him. That's the reason why he created us, wasn't it? To glorify him. You can't glorify him if you're worrying about you. I can't either. If I'm consumed with me, I'm not glorifying anyone but me. Little old Greg, woe, woe, woe is me. Come on, let's get over oneself and come into the fullness of what is given us, yes? Otherwise, we're going to be a people at the end of our lives that go, oh my goodness, there was all that, and that was for me, hmm. and you fell short, not of justifi- being justified, of the inheritance that was for you as a saint. And that's our challenge. And see, this thing gets in the way, isn't it? Our mindset, our current state of being gets in the way. If it's not renewed, it's not of him. So if your thinking has not been renewed, it's of you. It's of me. So I'm speaking to me. Whenever you say you, I say me, yeah? So we must be surrendered and our commitment, everything we do, must be surrendered first. Otherwise, we will define it even though it looks like Him. And David figured this out. So come with me to Psalms. Psalms 51. We go on about David, don't we, as if he was this great man. And he was a great king. But man, the guy was messed up as well. Isn't it good to know that the king was messed up? So it's good to be messed up, but don't stay messed up. David didn't stay messed up. David learnt. He repented. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. Did you realise that? Because he was a man of repentance. He was a man that learnt from his ways and he turned and he kept short accounts. And God then continued to reveal more. So here we have this man, this King David, and who did he kill when he was a boy? Goliath. What a thing to do. As a young man, he kills this giant. Man, that's pretty cool. He's been prophesied he's going to be king. I love this thought. I heard this ages ago. I thought it was very cool. David didn't fear Goliath because David knew he was going to be king. And he wasn't king yet. So he said, you can't kill me because the prophecy hasn't come to pass. So you're in trouble. Isn't that cool? Can you see what happens when you believe the word of God? So God speaks a future reality. This is who you're called to be. Well, get out the way because there's no fear because if that's who you're calling me to be, you can't take me out. Whatever that thought is that comes, get out of here. Why? Because I've received who I'm called to be. So David had, had the prophetic word, you're going to be king. And it hasn't happened yet. So what God says happens, so you're in trouble, son. And I've only got a little few stones and a sling. And you look big and you look ugly and you look quite ferocious, but I'm about to take you down. Why? Because the word of God has told me I'm going to be king. And it hasn't happened yet. So here's a man who is the king of Israel. He's God's chosen man to be king. And yet we see these words in Psalm 51, 16, 17 and These words, I would meditate on them because there is so much life in here because David is declaring his reality. See, everyone who writes is declaring a living realm. It's not just nice words on a page like in other books. They are declaring a living reality, their reality. So he says this. He says, For you, God, do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Away from me, for I never knew you. Why? Because I wasn't interested in your sacrifices. I wasn't interested in your burnt offerings. I were not interested in your lay hands on the sick. Because it was done in my name, but through your will. Can you see? See, we just go, oh, yeah. He didn't want his, like, you know, the offering up of the lamb and 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 the bird and the, and the offerings. Yeah, what what are those things now? What are your and my offerings? What are what are our sacrifices? What are our burnt offerings? Oh man, I got here early. I get up early. I'm always here. I'm always the first one here, putting out the chairs, leading the music, preaching the word. I do all these things. He goes. Mm. Hope you're doing them from the right heart. Hope that's from a surrendered, not a committed heart. See, the modern day burnt offerings is worship leading. The modern day burnt offerings is giving money. The modern day burnt offerings is all the things we do. And David figured this out that he didn't want that stuff. Why? Who knows the context of this passage of Scripture? What has David just done? Bathsheba. See, he's all about himself. He's the king of Israel. He can have whoever, whenever he wants. And he sees this gorgeous woman, apparently. Yep, not a lot of clothes on. Went, woo! that's a bit of fine woman there. And I'm the king. And because I'm the king, I'm going to have her. And I'm going to take her and I'm going to sleep with her. Why? Because I'm the king. Even though I killed Goliath and I did all these good things, the spirit of pride still lived in the man, didn't it? The spirit of the flesh was active and living well in David. He went, you're hot, I'm having you, and I'm going to have you. And he did. And then you see these two incredible men out of Samuel who are in something that he's not even in, and yet he's the king. And I'm gonna I am going i can not wait to preach on this stuff. Because there's this guy called Nathan, who's a prophet. And Nathan goes to David and says, I've Got something to tell you, boss. What is it? And he tells him the story, and he said, What would you do? He said, I'd kill that man. He said, The man is you. You know what amazes me? is that David is a warrior, isn't he? He's a man of blood. Would you go in front of the king of Israel who's a man of blood, who's a warrior, who could lob your head off and tell him that I have seen what you've done through the power of the Holy Spirit and I've come here to tell you today, you got it wrong. And I've come to convict you of your sin. See, there's a man of humility. There's a man who's obviously had his spirit broken because humility goes to places where pride never can. Humility is of love, and love goes to places where the law never finds itself. See, the law can never go there, and if it does go there, it goes there in judgment and condemnation. He's there out of love. He is a peacekeeper, Matthew 5 verse 9. Peacemaker, sorry, thank you, not a peacekeeper, because peacekeeper's are PC. He's a peacemaker. He sees because God has shown him the division and what could happen in David's own heart and love takes him in front of the man that could cut his head off. Does that sound a bit like Christ? Does that sound like a bit like who we're called to be? Peacemakers because peacemakers are the son of God, Matthew 5, 9 says. So we're called to be sons, aren't we? So sons go where they see there's no peace to make peace. The United Nations go to make peace at the risk of being killed. See, if you're committed and not surrendered, you'll never be that person. Never. You'll have legged it when the hot stuff comes. We'll have bolted long before the persecution's about to come on. Why? Because the work hasn't been done, so you can't place yourselves in the environment because love's not there. Love is what takes you into that place to stand in front of a king and say, look, you need to repent, boss, and I'm the man that's fortunately or unfortunately has to deliver a message that you're possibly not going to like. Because that man was surrendered. If you're not surrendered, you can't live like that. And if you do, you do it out of your flesh, and it won't be good anyway. But what about Uriah? Bathsheba's husband. He's a man that won't even sleep with his wife because his men are fighting. And David tries to get him drunk so he'll actually go through with the act of having intercourse with his wife so he won't get found out and he goes no, no I'm a man of integrity I'm a man of honour I'm a man of humility of spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God Matthew 5 verse 3 and I will not sleep with my wife as gorgeous as she is when my men are fighting because I'm not putting my needs ahead of my men's needs David goes David goes That sucks. So who are the men who are surrendered? And who's the man that might be committed but hasn't yet come to a place? And this is the background and the context of these scriptures. Because he's starting to realize, oh my goodness, I've done A, B, C, yes, in your name, but you don't want that. You want a spirit of humility. You want a heart. That has been broken You want a broken spirit You want a contrite heart You want this moldable, pliable person That you can shape You want a hunk of clay That you can actually mold to And the clay doesn't speak back to the one of the clayer And go, no, I don't like the way you made me (laughs) I'm just preaching the word That's what the word says in Romans Does the clay speak back to the one who makes it? No so be happy with the way you look. Be happy with the gift you got. Be happy with the hair or the hair you don't have. If you're short or tall or wider, be happy. Be content. Why? Because you're his. And he's molding and shaping us. Why? Because we are surrendered to him. But see, if we're committed without being surrendered, we can end up like this. And here we see David speaking this. And as you have a look at um, come over to me to uh, Psalm 50 verse eight, as you uh, seven, Psalm 50 verse seven says, "Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, I will testify against you, I am God, your God. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices." Reprove for uh, your sacrifice and your burnt offerings are continuing before me. I shall take no young bull out of your house, nor male goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountain and everything that moves in the field is mine. Come down to verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. You see, we give him these things as if, oh man, you're so worthy of my gift. It's my gift. You're so worthy to have my life. Say, what are you talking about? I gave you life. Everything you have is of me. You're nothing without me. So how can you give it back to me and think you're all that? You know, we think, oh, well, I'm going to give. I'm going to start tithing. So what? It's God's money. You're not doing any big thing. Oh, and we try to figure out how much we're going to give him. We're like, figures like, what are you talking about? It's all. None of, nothing we own is ours It's his And the only reason you have it Is because he's given it to you Blessed you Because he's such an incredible dad And when we come into this realisation Because we're surrendered Then you enter into freedom Now you're into this abundant freedom This life Because none of those things Are holding you anymore And you're not in fear of those things Why? Because you've gone through The process of weakness To be defined through surrender Now you're committed Now you're dangerous Now you're dangerous in a good way before you're dangerous in a bad way because you're defining it all. Now I think I'll serve like this. (laughs) I think I'm going to serve like this. I do it this way, Mike. Do you want it this way? Because I don't do it the way you want to do it. I do it this way. That's not serving. That's self-serving. Serving is when you have no agenda and you say, how would you like me to serve you, Mike? Sure, I will do it like this. Why? Because I'm surrendered. (laughs) And the life flows, man, I'm telling you. This is such a massive truth. It's so massive. It spins you around and then it releases life. And David figured this out. He got it, and he was realigned and reordered and walked differently from this point on. And this is not some wussy guy, is it? He is a worship warrior, a warrior worshiper. It's there for a purpose. And yet two other men who are a prophet and a guy who's in his army are demonstrating something to him that he's not yet in. And the conviction of God comes, and the man repents. So what creates this committed posture in us? Well, it's God. Here's where it gets really interesting. It's God, but it's been poisoned by the fall. See, there are two things that get us in trouble. And I write this in my book. Man's insatiable need to do and man's insatiable need for knowledge. These two things get us in trouble, but if defined by God, they bring so much life it's not funny. And it's as close as this. It's a hair string. It's the narrow path. So God has given us this desire because there are works prepared for us beforehand to do, aren't there? Ephesians 2.10 There are works for us to do And this is what gets us messed up But the fall has messed that all up So before things were perfect, now they're not So we're all born imperfect We're all born with our heads turned the wrong way And we've got this thing in us that wants to do something But if it's not surrendered to God, it'll get you in trouble Give me back the boy, the promise, so the boy doesn't define your heart, so I still do, Isaac. And what was his dad? Abraham. Had a senior moment there for a minute. And then we have this insatiable need for knowledge, don't we? Which once again is good, and it's of God. But the fall has poisoned it. And if it is not given back to God and redefined by God, it'll get you in trouble. So we start reading scriptures through the lens of our insatiable thirst for knowledge but through the flesh and we come up with our version of him but we're not in the life of what this says. That's your key indicator. It's my indicator. If I'm not in the life that this says, I'm in my life. I'm in it my way. You can't get more clear, guys, than God promising you absolute statements. Matthew seven, seven to thirty-seven to thirty-eight is an absolute statement of truth. Truth. He who believes in me, as the Scripture says, from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's an absolute statement of truth that you and I to experience. So if we're not, it's okay, but we have to be apprehended by what I'm saying, and don't feel stink about it, and don't reclose back and go, "Oh, I'm a loser." Come forward. See, there's no fear in that. There's no condemnation in that. The truth, will, as much as it will (laughs) propel you away, it propels you into. See, when you hear truth through the flesh, you're propelled away. When you hear truth through the spirit, you're propelled to. So how do you hear? Because it's going to determine how you respond. Yeah? So if you hear incorrectly, you'll respond and go backwards instead of going forwards. Because the truth is to grab hold of you and propel you to the truth. That's for me? That if I believe in you, I can have rivers of living water coming out of my spirit? Yep. Wow! Then I can't make that happen, but I'm going to be surrendered to you, so you're going to make it happen because you promised me it's your promise. And if you're promising it and you don't lie and it's true, then I'm going to go after you till I receive it. And I'm going to be so persevering till I receive it. I'm going to be like a dog with a bone. You try and get the dog off my bone, good luck. She's a a mastiff lab. She's built like a tank, and you don't get that bone back. Are you like that with him? See, he says there are things concealed. Why has God concealed things? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself that? Proverbs 25.2 For it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to go looking for it. Why would God conceal stuff for us? He wants you to seek him. He wants to share his heart, but he's not going to give it away. He's looking for a people that go after him. Why? Because they love him. He's looking for who loves him. That's what the whole story's about. Do you love God? He's looking. He's testing you and I. Now, how do you hear what I just said? i going to go hide in the corner. Don't be like Adam that was found under a bush. And when I put my head in here, he won't see me. Is he gone? God must be going, bro, I made the bush. <laughs> Come out. Why? Because he loves us, see? But see, it's edgy, isn't it? There's an edge to it. There's a risk to it. The truth that propels you into life has the power to propel you out. Can you hear what I'm saying there? That's how powerful it is. It'll set you free. While at the same time, if it's not heard through a surrendered heart, it can propel you and blow you out of the water. And you've also got, and we have got an enemy who's going to feed you rubbish if he sees that happening. And if he sees you coming into life, he's going to feed you rubbish. Because we're in a war, aren't we? You see why well, you have to be surrendered to the boss before you're ever committed to the boss? The enemy messes with people who aren't surrendered. He actually can't really touch those who are surrendered. Committed, did I say that the right way? Why? Because you know whose you are. You know who you are and whose you are. And David found this place. But these two things, they keep us in the state of self. And they've got to be defined by him. And I'm just going to read you just a bit from the book. Um, Because here are consequences. Here are some of the damaging effects For us not having our insatiable need to do surrendered to Christ. Okay? Here are some of the damaging effects. We value the doing of works much more than our ongoing relationship with Christ, which is the key to our transformation. Why? Because our identity and our purpose is in what we do, not who we are in Him. It's really scary. If I if if Kristen is if her identity and her purpose is in what she does, and I come along as I'm taking all that off you. She doesn't know who she is. So she's going to fight me to hold on to that. Why? Because it's going to challenge her reality. She's about to be exposed, and she needs to be exposed to come into true life, not stay in a fake reality that she wants to stay in. But it's scary, isn't it? If you don't know who you really are in Christ, and your identity is born on what you do, and someone comes along and says, stop, then who am I? So you start getting all anxious and nervous and then you've got to go do something else. Why? Because you start manifesting and you're worrying. I've got to stop this thing for a blow up. No, be still and know he's God. And know he's wanting to do a work in your heart, but it's got to be surrendered and your flesh wants to bolt from that position because it hates death. Yes? None of us wants to die, but it has to die. It's got to snap. Why? For life to truly come. And so, so many people in the body of Christ, what they do defines who they are. We should be so happy just being in a relationship, just being a son. I didn't have to do anything in my home. Hear what I'm saying? It wasn't about doing anything to be a simnor. Well, if you mow the lawns, do the dishes, scratch my back, wash out the shower, you can be in the simnor home. No, I was a simnor because I was a simnor. And as I came into a relationship, my mum and dad understood, like I said this morning, the values. You know what? As a family, we started doing some things. But my identity wasn't in those things. It was in being a simnor. So in our context, it's being a son. Why? Because I'm surrendered before I've ever picked up my cross and want to win the world for Jesus because I've got this thing in me that says we're supposed to reach lost people first, which that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the greatest commandment is to love God, be in relationship with God. So how's your love relationship with the Lord today? Are you more passionate about reaching lost people than you are in love with him? Lord, Lord, many will say to me. This is all in the book. Hence God said, put it down so people can eat it and chew it. And chew it and chew it and chew it. Why? Because you've got something physical in front of you rather than just hear it on a Sunday night. And what did he say? I don't know. It was something about stuff. Okay, so that's a first damaging consequence. Our focus and our priority is the great commission instead of the great commandment, which leads to the commission defining our lives rather than the commandment. I'll say that again. Our focus, okay, so the damaging effects of our insatiable need to do, if it's not surrender, our focus and our priority is the great commission instead of the great commandment, which leads to the commission defining our lives rather than the commandment. So we're to be commandment-led, which defines the commission. If this thing hasn't been defined yet, you will go right past the commandment, straight into the commission, because the commission is all about going into the world to do some stuff. Can you hear what I'm saying? And we say this, yeah, I love God. Oh, really? Yeah, we've got that one sorted. Oh, let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at how much time you spend, Where's your money spent? Can you demonstrate a life? Because the commandment is the door to life. The commandment, the Bible says, is the door to eternal life, meaning an eternal life within you. And we do this. Well, I love God. Well, let's test that, shall we? If we were to do this, if I was to say to you, right, over the next month, take a video of your life and see how much time you spend on yourself and how much time you've found in his presence, what would it look like? How much time is your life laid down for him and other people? And that'll tell you how much you really love God. And me too. But we won't do it because we're scared, because we actually know deep, 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 deep down we know. We're good at talking, and this is the problem. See, when this need to do, and you're even I've got friends that rationalize this away. Well, we're doing it for Jesus. But then you know, there's no rest. There's no joy. There's no peace. I said this this morning. Did Jesus come to stress or rest? Come to me and I'll give you stress. <laughs> no, he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. So here's the other thing. The works, are they done from rest? Are they done from his power? Or are you running around anxious, pulling out your hair going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, how am I going to cope? See, what sort of a witness again is that? See, when you're surrendered and you've come into the fullness and coming into the fullness, everything's done from that place of rest, life. And your capacity is enlarged to do more. You can actually do more when you're surrendered than what you can do when you're committed first. And see, when you're surrendered, you're not looking for pats on the back either. Did they notice me? Tim, did they notice me? No one said thanks. Ungrateful bunch of whoas. No one said thanks, Mike. I served here in that cafe for 12 months. And you know what they did? They actually whinged about me at the coffee as well. You know, So they moaned at the coffee because the coffee wasn't hot or it was late or the food wasn't this or the food wasn't that. This is some of the stuff the cafe guys have to put up with from this community. My coffee, well, it should have been in here in five minutes. Oh, sorry, you know. It's, you know. See, when you're not surrendered, it comes out. Ugly comes out. <laughs> and ugly is ugly gossip. You've got some good one, lies, bro. Here we go. We can never just enjoy God for who God is, and we struggle to be still and know He is God can't just enjoy for the sake of being in a relationship. It's got to be defined by what I do. Just enjoy him for who he is. And let him enjoy you for who you are. I didn't get married to Danielle so she could do stuff. She does stuff. I didn't have children so they could do stuff. Anyone else? Man, can't wait. The lawns. I bought a house without lawns. Toilet cleaning, the, this the vac- the vacuuming, the walking the dog. Oh no, I only have kids. No, as leaders of God's people, we become drivers of God's people, rather than guiding and nurturing them on the journey. You know who this was? Guilty, Your Honour. Seven years ago, I was driving. Because I thought it was about reaching the lost people So come on What are you doing Come on Getting frustrated Running programs Doing evangelistical training Why isn't anyone coming along Yeah because they don't know me son Not really They don't have a knowledge of me that's in them That creates so much life that they're present But they'll tick boxes stop leading them to the lost and lead them to me the prophetic word in the booklet because they do not know me like I want them to know me because if they know me the natural outworking of knowing me is falling in love with me and they'll lay their lives down for me it's so simple we miss this see and yet it's the answer is this okay it's pretty hard hitting I know but it's the truth Because we are operating from function, we see God's people as assets, resources, and commodities, rather than people. Leaders, that's a big one. We're unable to see things from God's perspective, so we constantly define his truth through our own doing lens. Our identity and purpose gets defined by what we do and not who we are in Christ. We are in a constant state of busyness, anxiety, and worry, unable to just rest in him we do things from our own initiative which holds no eternal value and are ultimately pointless this position ultimately leads people and us to frustration disillusionment and burnout so God puts this doing thing in you but it must be defined through being first so he must Like he says, Greg, I've given you life. Now give me back the life I gave you. So I can define it so I can give it back to you. So I'm going to give you a son, Abraham. He's going to call him Isaac. Now you're going to give him back to me. Can you hear this? Because it's his. So I want you to give me back the boy because I don't want the boy to define and get in your heart and I want to define it so you don't walk up messed up now. I want you to walk in an alignment because it's never been about having a son. It's been about being my son. And yet there's nothing wrong with having sons and daughters. But if we let sons and daughters get entangled in us, we won't become the son that we're called to be because we'll be loving them or we're loving him. And God looks for a wholehearted, surrendered heart. And the truth comes through. What about an insatiable need for knowledge? So the first one was this insatiable need to do, this is an insatiable need for knowledge. We build our own image of God thinking we are building on him, but only have a counterfeit version of him. See, if someone can mess with your foundation, it's not the foundation. People say, oh my foundations are wobbly. It ain't Christ then. I'm sorry, it's not. You can't Rock Christ if Christ is in someone and growing. Like Kristen, I use her as an example. If I can rock her foundation because her foundation isn't what she does, not who she is in Christ. See, her foundation is false. It's not the true foundation. Make sure what you build on, Christ is the foundation. You better make sure what you're building on is gold, silver, and bronze, not wood, hay, and stubble. So Jesus is the foundation, and if Christ is the rock, that rock doesn't move, which means I'm not condemned in Christ. You can't condemn me in Christ if I have Christ, even if you're trying to. Can you hear what I'm saying? So if Mike tries to condemn me but I'm in Christ, he can't, because I'm in Christ. I say, what a dick. <laughs> Bless you, brother, but you're a dick. So if you go, oh, I feel condemned, I feel condemned, well, I'm sorry, but I'd probably say you're not in Christ. You need to get more in Christ because you can't condemn someone who's in Christ because there's no condemnation in Christ. You just see it for what it is. So when the enemy comes and tries to tell you lies, you laugh and go, whatever. Why? Because I'm in Christ. And because I know I'm in Christ, I can tell the difference between the lie and the truth. Even if it's not even intentional, I can hear the difference between the lie and the truth. Why? Because I'm in Christ. The Spirit hears the Spirit. The Spirit hears the flesh. This is how deep he wants to take us because we're surrendered. This is this absolute life in Christ, guys. In the book, chapter 4, the indestructible life in Christ. I talk about the indestructible life by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I have been called into. It's the Holy of Holies being in us, forming in us, Christ being formed in us, living from this. It's like this indestructible life. It's like Robocop. It's like ping, 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 ping. Ping, ping, ping. What's that? That's the armor of God. It's not something you do this. No, the armor of God is Christ in us, the indestructible life. So when you walk through life, what did Jesus say? I build my church and the church that I build, the gates of hell do not overpower the church, the people of God. So the church Jesus is building, which built from the indestructible life. So we just walk like this, so ping, 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 ping. There's a fence, there's no offense in Christ. You're gonna offend me, I'm gonna love you. Why, right, because they haven't come short of the grace of God. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you into submission. You hate me, I'm gonna love you. Because that's what I'm commanded to do, aren't I? You've heard it said, hate your enemy. I tell you, love your enemy because I'm in you. So you're able to love your enemy even though your enemy's hating you. Why? Because you're surrendered to me. You got surrendered before you got committed, which means you're able to go to the cross and say, Father, forgive them while they're nailing your little butt. You see, Peter couldn't do it because Peter didn't want to go to the surrendered position. He wanted to be committed to Christ. And Jesus said, no, no, I want to give you a commandment to go love these guys over here. He says, nah, stuff that. I want to go be a hero. And then when the pressure came on, he couldn't demonstrate the hero status because he wasn't a hero. See, he hadn't had the work done in him. So when he was tested, he failed. Thank be to God that God believes in us. Amen. And thank me to God that God called and saw Peter in the future and said, this is who you're going to be. So when I come back from the resurrection, I'm going to find you because you've gone back to fishing again. And I'm going to pull you out of being a fisherman and now make you a son of the kingdom who I've called you to be. This is what he says to you and I. He says, now I'm going to fill you with my power. I'm going to fill you with my truth. And you're going to walk differently. And yes, your mind still needs to be renewed, But you're going to walk and talk differently and you'll walk tall because the armor of God will be in you because Christ is being formed in you. So when the attack comes and the arrows come and sickness comes and all those things, you're just going to walk through it. The indestructible life in Christ that Christ has died for you and I to be in. This is who we've been called to be. But if we are not surrendered first, if our pride of spirit is not broken like David's, we will constantly fight it and end up walking away from what we were called to walk into. And every one of us has to choose this. You cannot get on the back of someone else's revelation. You cannot jump on someone else's back and say, come on, Mike, take me for a ride. I'm going to jump on your back and get on your revelation. No, Mike can share his revelation with me which he's called to do, he's called to walk with me, he's called to pray for me, but what he can't do is give me his revealed position. That's the role of the Spirit of God, so I must ask that. And as he walks with me, as we walk together in love, because love covers a multitude of sin, guess what happens? He becomes the demonstration that I'm now living in because he was modeling something that I couldn't see before. Isn't that cool? And that's why God puts us together. And says, walk together. Because you're gonna need one another. Because when I feel like running away, he's gonna grab me by the back of the collar. When my flesh starts screaming, going, no, 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 no. He going, yes, yes, yes. Let this happen. I'm dying. Oh yeah. Dying's horrible. God show me a picture, it's like drowning. I've never I've never almost drowned, but I can imagine it'd be horrible, but in the picture I saw was someone going under the water and like you know and you're trying to struggle for air. And then what he showed me was the person actually drowned and then this breath of life came into their lungs and breathed life into them underwater. Then they were comfortable under the water. No longer living in this realm, living in another realm from another source. See, we're called to walk here, but we're not called to live here. So there are these things that will hold us back if we're not surrendered. We become self-righteous and judgmental. We become hard-hearted, unteachable, because we think we know it all. Things we don't understand, we either attack or rationalize away, or we sweep under the carpet. That's just our flesh because we're scared. That's okay. But haven't given us a spirit of fear, so that has to be overcome by him, him in us. We will lead others into our position of false knowledge. That's a scary one. The blind leading the blind. So... Probably about it, eh? I'll leave you with this picture. <coughs> Once again, I was not an artist, Jay, so I hope you can all figure out what this is. <laughs> oh, that one's a bit skinnier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully I'm a better preacher than I am a drawer. What are they? So the Bible says there are these two houses, doesn't it? And one is built on what? The rock. And the other is built on sand. Do you know what the two houses also look like? Who is the modern-day house? Who's the modern-day tabernacle? We are. So Jesus says, and I said this last time in Matthew seven twenty one: many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, but they will not enter the kingdom because they did not do the will of God, but they will say, we heal the sick, we raise the dead, we do all these things. Then Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty four: those who hear these words that I've just spoken, and acts upon them is like a man who built his house on the rock. So then you just use this physical picture about houses, but we're the house. So if you hear the words that have just been spoken from the scripture about it's not just about laying hands on sick people, that's not doing the will of God in its fullest measure. It's about being surrendered and doing everything his way. Then you are like the man or the woman who built their house upon the rock. So when the winds and the storm of life came, ping, 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 you just walk through them and the house stands tall. But if you don't hear what I'm saying in Matthew seven twenty-one to 23, you are like the man or the woman who built their house upon the sand. So when the storms of life come, death, challenges, loss of job, loss of income, things don't go right, injury, sickness, all that, you're like a person who built the house of the sand, the waves come out, and they take you out. But Jesus said, I build my house, and the house that I build overcome the power of Hades. Do you know what the power of Hades is, or the gates of Hades? We think it's just hell. No, no, it's Everything from the kingdom of darkness, which is your flesh. So those that Jesus built by the Spirit overcome the flesh. No longer coming under the flesh, the ways of the flesh, the thoughts of the flesh, the words of the flesh. Those who I'm building because they're surrendered overcome the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit because the truth is being put in them through the power of the Spirit. So now they're able to walk tall. So it doesn't matter what comes at these people. They are the demonstration of Christ on the earth. They are love. They are joy. They are peace. They are gentle. They have the life of Christ. They are a house that is built on Jesus himself, not in words but in reality, and they stand and they are what? Hope to others. As the days get darker, my mum was in France. She was a niece. She was at the celebration, at the other end of where the truck entered. By the time it all happened, bless her being 74, she was in bed, asleep. So she was nowhere near it. But as the days get darker, the church is to be hope to a dark world. We are to be houses that stand in the turmoil of life not being taken out by life itself. Why? Because we are surrendered to Christ. Before we are committed, we are surrendered, and then our commitment is defined by our surrender, so we do it his way, and we have his thoughts, which births his life. And it works. It works. His works way. Anyone got any questions? Maybe we'll just do Q&A like this. I know I've said a lot. can't seem to stop myself these days. That's why I wrote the book. Sounds like I'm plugging the book. I am. It'll give meaning to again. Amen. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Bruce. So, it's surrender before you enter the world. Just surrender before you get committed. So give him every part of you before you race off and start doing things for him. So allow him into every area of your life, give him your whole heart which once again is, is through a work of the Spirit, so you can't do the work. okay? But Paul said, I enter through weakness. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. So that's in the context of he had a thorn, and he's asking him to take it away. Take it away, take it away. No, no, I'm going to walk you through this. So I, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, if that's the case, then because he says my power is, will be perfected in you through weakness. So you... We all must be surrendered. This spirit that lives within us, it's a spirit of pride. It needs to be snapped. Now you, now sometimes we don't even know it's even there. so you can't kill it. so ultimately we have to walk and ask him to show you areas if there are areas there might not be. You may have gone through this. David transitioned from this, but it's a surrendered position before it's committed. It's ongoing but there is a snapping that happens of our, the pride of life that's in us. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are, the, uh, are the, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to be in us currently at the moment, and it's returning. So the kingdom is this internal, invisible work that God does in our hearts and our minds. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who have gone from being pride in spirit to humble in spirit. See, it's all, hum- it's all in spirit. I could, wa- I could wash Mike's feet. doesn't mean I'm humble. You may all think I'm humble. You might think I'm the most humble guy on the planet because I serve here. That means nothing. It can mean a lot of things. But the physical, that's why we have to have a spiritual reality to discern the spirit realm, not just what someone's doing, physical. Yeah? So the breaking of that spirit that we're actually, the seed we're from, the flesh, then propels us into life. Other question. The truth's weighty, isn't it? I can just feel the weight right now. It's a weighty thing. See, it's not lofty. It's weighty. Because it comes to bring us, when we receive it in our spirits, into this reality, which is this indestructible reality. I'm not saying you fly around the world. I'm not saying to go jump off tall buildings with a single leap stuff. (laughs) But the work that the truth comes to do to set us free, it does. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you continue in my word as my disciples, it will continue to set you free. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that you would know how right you are before the Lord. So the good news, not just Jesus came and died, the whole story, Jesus himself sets us free and makes us realize how right we are. So we're no longer hiding. We're just standing there allowing the glory of God to fill us. We shouldn't spend more than a millisecond with our issues that we struggle with. I'm not saying that's not an excuse to go live a life of sin. But if you fall off the horse, repent, and come straight back into the presence of the Lord, don't spend your whole life wallowing on something that he's already died for. See, that's what a slave does, because the slave doesn't understand the Father, how right they are in the Father. That's why the mind, as it gets renewed through the gospel, it's like, oh man, now I live in accordance to what God is saying, how I can live. See, so from his perspective, it's all done. And we have to realize what's done and live from what is done. Does that make sense? So we have to come into through revelation what already is. That's why he sees us as he sees us, which is a clean slate, but it must be the appropriation of that in our lives. Because we all know, oh my goodness, I'm not quite there today. He says, that's Okay. My seven-year-old daughter doesn't know how to do calculus yet because she's seven and there's time to learn how to do calculus. She's very smart, smart, smart Lily. Mate, she's incredibly intelligent. But she doesn't know how to do that and that's okay because me and Danny love her and she may get to learn that. Can you hear know what I'm saying? Take that into the, into the spiritual. The sad thing would be to stay where we are. That's what I believe breaks the Father's heart. When we decide to stay and go, oh, I'm happy where I am. And he will let you stay there. He loves you so much, he'll let you stay there. He won't force you. But he will cry out and he will woo you and he will get other people singing songs and he will get other people preaching stuff and he'll put other people around you. But ultimately, he won't make you. It's your choice. It's my choice. Come on, ask me all questions. So you're saying that we're broken. When he breaks us, it's a broken contrite spirit. When he breaks us, we're broken away from the nature of the fallen spirit. And then we can be properly reconnected beautiful the truth Yeah, it comes from you. Yeah, so the spirit of pride gets snapped, reattached, and you still live it because you still have the flesh. You're always going to have the flesh, but that it's like a stronghold. And so imagine, imagine the bone. Imagine the bone snapping. And it's snapped, and now God gives you a brand new bone called His Spirit. His spirit of humility gets implanted in you as that snaps, and now you didn't realize it, but you've actually been walking like this. You thought you'd been like this, but actually you've been like this. And then he goes... It's like, you know in chiropractors manipulate the back into alignment? And now you're like, Ooh, oh man, it's freedom. You've sort of been limping along, not realising it, thinking you're in freedom. And all of a sudden, bang. And then you're like, wow, is that what that's like? And then you walk differently. You're still going to have issues of your flesh, but the spirit now overcomes. Because you eat him. as you meditate and eat. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. This is mana... Manor, mana, manna however you want to say it, food from heaven on high. And as the Holy Spirit reveals this, it's like food. Imagine eating food and feeling the difference. problem is, well, that's not a problem, it's a beautiful joy, is that you want more of it. And so as you eat, you get stronger, so you are being realigned. You're now, as a son, no longer a slave, and you walk differently. And people can see it. It comes out of you. So the kingdom of God now comes out of you. You have a joy that is not happiness You have a peace that guards your heart and your mind. It's fantastic. How are you not losing the plot, man? Someone you love has just died. Yeah, it sucks. I'm going to cry, but it's not taking me out. Especially if they're a believer in Christ, it's a celebration. See, we spend so much time in the negative, not in the positive. I reckon God just wants to reorder some things. Here I'm saying, I'm not saying you're not this cold-hearted person. I reckon David in this got something. I think he he mourned for seven days. And then it was like, right, I think we need to capture that. It's like we spend too much time in the negative when there's all the positive, this abundance to receive and live from because that's who we've been called to be. But the challenge again is right here. Faith comes through the ability to hear the living word. So how do you hear? What are you hearing right now? There is multiple voices that speak, isn't there? Oh, that's not for me. You've got to grab that thought right there. If you let that fester, it'll go to work, won't it? By tomorrow you'll be like, oh, I don't know what that was all about. That wasn't for me. That's for all those other people. No more questions oh. but in all seriousness with with the book that's why I've written it because I know from Sunday to Sunday this there's, there's like rivers and I've been trying to like put it into like nuggets but it just comes flying out it's too hard to stop it so I sort of go with it um, but in the book, it'll I've just, just tried to put things down so you'll hear things, you, like even stuff I've preached tonight, it's in there so you can eat it. And what I'm hoping is, what happened with me, is the picture will start forming through revelation. So we're called to see. We're called to see things that aren't seen. So the Bible says that God spoke to Noah about unseen things. Build an ark, what for? Because it's going to rain. A lot of rain's coming. Okay? Unseen things. So the picture of our finish line determines our lives. A 100 meter sprinter only runs and builds his life or her life around 100 meters. But a marathon runner builds differently, don't they? That's why they look different. Very rarely will you see a well built marathon runner who looks like Jonah Lomu. They're lean slender because of the distance they run, but a sprinter, Usain Bolt, is built like a tank because he's got 100 meters, so they run to the site of the finish line. So we're called to see an eternal finish line. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated, not on the things of the earth. And yet so much of what's been preached in the last 25, 30 years is about earthly things, how to have a good marriage, how to raise good kids, how to be good in business, how to be good in this. It's all earthly based and anchored, and we've missed the other half of the picture, which is actually set your mind on the eternal, receive the eternal food, and then that defines how you live here on the earth. See how back to front we've got it? Because our flesh will always go to us first. It always goes, and I said this morning, to number two, not number one. It'll always go to our first place priority, not his. And God allows it to see who's going to, who's going to allow him if they be surrendered to go two to one. And that's what he did to me six years ago. Over 18 months, he showed me the commandment, not the commission. He said, I want to show you why the commandment is first and what it births. When you love God with all your heart because you've surrendered your heart and given it to him through the power of him, the fullness of life within you will come. But while our hearts are given to individuals and things and ourselves, it's a broken heart, so we can't fill a broken heart. Parted vessel, so there's this dynamic. That says, "I want you to love me with all your heart, so you can live with me, for me, all." And then God said, "Opening all the scriptures about the Great Commandment, literally says it's a door to eternal life." And yet we go, "Yeah, we love God." Now let's go and fix the world. But Jesus didn't come to fix the world, did he? Because the world's messed up. When Jesus came, did He come to fix the world? Did he come and change the Roman Empire? What did he come and do? Demonstrate his father's reality. I've come to establish my kingdom on the earth and it's going to come in my people. I'm not going to be politically into you know, this and that. I'm going to demonstrate something. So everyone that's living for this self-contained life that's death, hopefully will turn and go, Well, that has no life because I've been here 50 years. All those guys over there look a bit crazy, but they look like they have something. And what do you have? Can I talk to you because I've tried all that stuff and it doesn't work. So what do you have? Ah, great, let me tell you about the Jesus that I know and how the real Jesus is changing my life. Now the real Jesus is being formed in me and he's setting me apart and he's releasing me from the magnetic pull of the earth and I'm now on the earth but I'm not of the earth and I'm serving the earth with my life and my father and I'm full of this life so I overcome all the things of the earth and I'm waiting for him to return. Tick, 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 tick. And my life is worthy of the calling. That's in Ephesians and Philippians. To live a life worthy of the calling. What is the calling? It's his calling. It's his people. We put it up there this morning. He's looking for her, guys. Kingdom of God. You know, the bride's going to raise the eternal family in the thousand year reign. Co heir with Christ now from a spiritual sense and in the future. Think about the physical. My house has two adults, male and a female, Greg and Danielle, and we are co heiring and If you can say, raising up Madeline and Lily. It's all a foreshadow. That's why he gives us family. It's a foreshadow of what he has in the spirit. But we get so suckered into the physical thinking it's just physical. So we don't have, we have two eyes here. We don't have one eye there and one eye here. We have two eyes firmly locked on here and we are attached to the magnetic pull of the flesh. The physical So we think it's all about here, and marriage is given for a means to something far greater. Lift your head up and see in the Spirit what this is really about. So I and Danny are a prototype of Christ in the church, the mystery of the marriage covenant. It's all here, but we need eyes to hear and see it spiritual eyes, this thing's being concealed for us, not from us, but for us. And he looks and says, well, if you come looking, I'm going to reveal it. For no eye has seen or ear has heard what has entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, but it's revealed through the Spirit. Paul said, those things have been given to us, and we speak of them freely, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. For I'm not a man of persuasive words, but I'm a man of power. And Paul's life was the demonstration of the power of God. So often we think it was the power to perform miracles. No, that's the sovereignty of God. Paul's life was the power of the demonstration of God to change him from Saul to Paul. That's phenomenal, see? And we just preach, oh, miracles. No, 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 yeah, miracles are great. But that's the sovereignty of God operating, the power of God. That's why Paul preaches all about the power in us. I pray, Ephesians 3, 14 to 20, I'm praying before the Father on my knees in heaven that the power will be strengthened in the church from on high so you would know how high and how deep and how long is the love of the Father. It brings you into love in you. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought no one's asking questions, so I'm going to preach again. <laughs> it's very meditative, it releases all the stuff, mate. <laughs> See, we are not these little, merely human beings. The Bible says that. We have been called and chosen for such an honor and a time as this. But he wants to do such a powerful work, guys, in our mind to renew our mind so we can see it, so we can live for it. I couldn't see what I'm talking about. It was 18 months, and it was picture and picture and picture until the whole picture came into view. So he started giving me this part here. He started giving me this part here. And I couldn't have told you what it was, but it was good because it was changing me. If you come to me and say, What is it, man? I'm going, I actually don't know. I just know it's living manna from on high. But I can't tell you what it is because I can't see it. I could describe colours or whatever. And all of a sudden, when the final piece, like a jigsaw putter, was put in place, you could I could see it. There it is. And then when I could see it, he said, are You can do anything about it. Because I'd said I'm not playing church. Now you can see it, what are you gonna do with it? Much is given, much is expected, yes. He said, be careful what you pray for, because they'll call you on it. So then as that picture started getting spoken and declared here, you guys know, because minds have tried to understand it through unrenewed minds. You have to go on the journey of the Spirit if you understand the Spirit. The people of the natural do not understand the of the spiritual. You cannot appraise it. It's not even from this realm, is it? It's from another realm. It's from a spiritual realm. We're so of the physical. We, we see things, we act. We live according to what we see. No, we live according to what we can see. The eyes of our hearts be enlightened to the knowledge of God, the inheritance that awaits the saints. Who are the saints? You're a saint. There you go. Sleep well tonight. (laughs) So Father, just renew our minds. And thank you, Lord, for rivers of truth. We don't feed off a trickle. We don't feed off a puddle. We feed off rivers of abundant living water. And you are changing us from the inside out through the power of your glory and through the power of your Son. So Holy Spirit, we surrender and we position ourselves to receive In Jesus' name, amen. If you do have questions, email, have a coffee, we can chat.